0: Shalom Aleichem, sisters. This is uh, Nava Michaels here with um, Nava in the House of Sarah. And I welcome each and every one. It seems like it's been a very long time since I've last met with you all. Uh, we have a very serious uh, topic to discuss today. Uh, actually, every, every subject that I've talked about has always been serious. But this one this one is something, unfortunately we're having to deal with in in israel we shouldn't but we do and it's called domestic violence So, before we get into it i would like to pray with everyone so if everyone would just please pray with me father we desire to live according to the spirit of life and messiah yeshua the spirit of life and messiah like a strong wind father has magnificently cleared the air freeing us from a faded lifetime of a brutal tyranny at the hands of abuse. And since we're now free, it's our desire to forget those things that lie behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. We press on toward the goal to win the prize to which you and Yeshua are calling us upward. The past will no longer control our thinking patterns or our behavior. We praise you, Father. We're new creatures in Messiah. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We declare and decree that henceforth we will walk in newness of life. Forgive us, Father, for self-hatred and self-condemnation. We are your children. You sent Yeshua, your arm, your salvation, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you for the blood of Yeshua that makes us whole. It is our desire to throw away all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil. In simple humility, Father, we let our gardener, you, Lord, landscape us with the Torah, which sets us free, making a sanctified and redeemed garden of our life. Father, by your grace, we forgive our abusers and ask you to bring them to teshuva. Beshem Yeshua. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Now, the title of this, of this uh, program is called There is a Cure. And... It's going to be an ongoing uh, uh broadcast because it's it's the outcry of of sisters that we have been hearing lately uh has gotten to the point where we just basically almost need to stop what we're doing and and just take the time and deal with this situation until complete healing has been established, as it says in isaiah sixty two I will not keep silent till Jerusalem is a praise, and how can Jerusalem be a praise, how can it be a glory when there are uh, 70% of women and children just in, in Israel alone where domestic violence is being committed and it goes unreported, if that gives you an idea. So we're going to be discussing and ministering on this epidemic, one that touches us all, and um, let me give you some statistics so you can have an understanding. As I've already mentioned, 70% of domestic violence, um, according to a study from the University of Haifa, 70% of the domestic violence um, in Israel in nearly one in two children go unreported. Batterers or incest offenders will reoffend unless they get specialized treatment. Offenders against children minimize, lie, and deny their abusive behavior. Offenders cannot follow through on their good intentions or genuine remorse without help from the outside. Treatment of offenders is most effective when it's ordered and monitored by the courts. The secret of the child's abuse must be broken in order to get help to the victim and offender. Clergy persons do not have all the skills and resources necessary to treat offenders or to assist victims. And I know that firsthand. Quick forgiveness is likely to be cheap grace and is unlikely to lead to repentance. Now, what are the signs of an abusive relationship? What are the warning signs of domestic abuse and domestic violence? Are you being abused? Is this abuse? And to the average person asking yourself, am I being abused or not knowing if you're being abused seems a little strange. But many people who are in abusive relationships have been experiencing some sort of abuse since early childhood. If you've been exposed to abusive behavior for years, you can become accustomed to it. It's your normal in life. So living with an abuser seems perfectly acceptable, believe it or not. That's why many victims are, are shocked when they finally realize that they're being abused. So the, here are 50 questions that I want you to ask yourself. now. This broadcast will be archived. I'm not going to ask you to write it down because I'm going to be going pretty quickly for the sake of time, but please return and listen to this broadcast again and answer the questions. But right now, just do it mentally. Number one, does your partner have a bad temper? Number two, do you live in fear of your partner? Three, does it feel like you have to walk on eggshells at times so that he or she will not explode? Has your partner threatened to harm you, the children, pets, or anything else? Is your partner violent toward you or the children? Has your partner ever threatened to kill you? Has your partner ever physically hurt you? Has your partner ever made a gesture of harm toward you? For example, put hands around your neck or imitated holding a knife or gun? Do you fear going home? Is your partner unpredictable? Has your partner threatened to take your children away, especially if you've tried to leave the relationship? Has your partner tried convincing you that he or she will report you or prove that you're an unfit parent? and take the kids away permanently if you leave? Is your partner cruel to animals? Do they destroy your property or your children's? Has your partner destroyed household or work-related property? Has your partner ever threatened to commit suicide, especially if you try to leave? Have they ever abandoned you, left you places, or locked you out? Are you afraid they may kill you? Do you feel emotionally numb? Do you feel that there is nowhere to turn for help? Do you feel you are alone, helpless, trapped, isolated? Does your partner completely control you? Do you blame yourself for the abuse? Do they tell you that you caused him or her to abuse you or the children? Do they blame the violence on stress, alcohol, drugs, money worries, work problems, house not clean, bad behavior of the children, etc.? When seeking medical help, do you lie about the bruising, broken bones, stab wounds, etc.? Do you lie about your partner's real behavior? Do you believe that you're the crazy one in the family? Do you believe that you may be overreacting to your partner's abusive behavior? Do you minimize it? Do you feel as if you can never do anything right for your partner? Do you live in fear that they would take your children from you? Do you feel that the only way out of your relationship is if your partner is dead? Do you fantasize about killing your partner? Do you take the brunt of the abuse so that the children don't have to? Do they keep you from seeing friends and family, keep you from working, keep you from volunteering? Are you embarrassed or humiliated about your partner's behavior and because of that do not invite people over? Has your partner ever stopped you from doing what you want to do? Do they question where you've been or where you're going? Is your partner jealous or possessive? Does your partner check up on you? Does your partner limit the time you can go places like you can go to the market but must come straight home? You're given no more than, say, 30 minutes. Does your partner continually accuse you of having an affair? Does your partner abuse you verbally? Do they embarrass you, harass you, criticize you in front of others? Do they minimize, mock, or insult what you think or say? Were you abused as a child, or did you grow up with domestic violence in the household? Was your partner abused as a child or grew up with domestic violence in the household? Does your partner have low self-esteem? Is your partner kind, giving, or loving after a bout of violence? Have they made promises to change? Have they promised never to do it again? Has your partner promised to get help if you come back? Now the more you answer yes to these signs of an abusive relationship, the higher the possibility that you are in an abusive relationship. Now, After hearing this, the question may come up, if I answered yes to say five or six questions, does that mean I'm in an abusive relationship? To answer that question, it's hard to answer it because every situation is different. Yet I would strongly encourage you to please continue to seek help, continue to learn about abuse and domestic violence. I do have a group on Facebook called For Zion's Sake, uh, where you can find all the support that you need. There are counselors there that, that are willing to help you. Um, many of us have, ourselves have experienced domestic violence, domestic abuse. So if you're interested, just inbox me at Nava Michaels, and I'll jump right on it. Now, there is a progression of domestic violence. There are five phases, five phases. Uh, phase one is the pre-battering violence, uh, verbal, verbal abuse, like and uh, in, in also hitting objects, throwing objects, breaking, making threats, increased tension, anger, blaming, arguing. Uh, when abusers hit or break objects or make threats, almost 100% resort to battering. Phase two is the beginning levels, pushing, grabbing, restraining. This is when it becomes physical. Not hitting yet, but pushing, grabbing, and restraining. Phase three, moderate levels, slapping, pinching, kicking, pulling hair. Phase four, severe levels. Hitting, choking, beating with objects, use of weapons, and rape by intimidation, threat, or force. Phase five is a calm stage. The abuser may deny or rationalize the violence. He may apologize or promise not to repeat the abuse. The progression of DV may alternate from tension building where, where you feel like you're walking on eggshells to avoid the abuse to the apologetic and the remorseful abuser after an incident has taken place. Each relationship is different. Now, there's a syndrome amongst... Uh, It's called the sweet baby syndrome, and this is how he gets you to come back. Pay very close attention. If you don't hear anything else in this broadcast, please make note of this. Number one, the honeymoon syndrome. Any bribe that will get you to return to him, also known as hearts and flowers. Number two is the super dad syndrome. He tells you that he'll be a great dad if you return. This works especially if he's neglected the children in the past. Number three is the revival syndrome. This is not really a valid revival or a salvation since he's probably on, only gone to church if, if you're a Christian or to synagogue if you're, um, if you're Jew or Hebrew only a few times. Uh, he may say something like, I've been going to church every Sunday since you left or I've, I've been listening to more so-and-so on the Internet every Sabbath since you left. I've accepted Messiah into my life. I've been reading the Torah Every, every, uh, every day, so he puts the responsibility for his battering on the Most High, on Hashem. Number four is the sobriety syndrome. If he could stop drinking, he would stop beating me. Drinking does not cause beating. If it did, then they would be strangers on the street. Number five, the fifth uh, syndrome is called the counseling syndrome. I've gone to counseling, I won't do it anymore long-term counseling is needed and less than one percent voluntarily go into counseling that's a very 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 low statistic it's a very very sad state only one percent now um batterers have different public and private personas these characteristics are very confusing to victims and others On one hand, abusers can be very kind, very gentle, very generous. On the other hand, they can become extremely violent within seconds. Um, the, The perpetrators are very proficient at disguising their abusive behaviors in order to appear socially proper. Some characteristics can be interpreted as protective, caring, and loving, though it's actually a form of control. If you feel you've identified a potential abuser, do not confront the batterer alone please use and study all the resources that I'll be giving you here as well as like I said go to our group um, speak to me about adding you to our group Group for Zion's sake um, just arm yourself before making any decisions and there are loads of information on the internet as well it's, it's, uh, also YouTube videos um, we, we are definitely here to help now there's, um, I believe I have 30, yeah, this, these are 30 signs, uh, 30 profile signs of an abuser. Number one, he's he or she actually is excessively or pathologically jealous, verbally abusive, cruelty to animals or children, blames others for problems, blames others for actions, blames circumstances for his problems, blames alcohol, drugs for anger, blames others for bad temper or feelings have a very low self-esteem, um, unrealistic expectations or demands, isolate partner from family, friends, work, and um, religious affiliations, controlling behavior, prone to hypersensitivity, dual personalities. That's a big one, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. High Personality. They belittle the partner, uncontrolled or quick-tempered personality, reacts and rage unexpectedly, personality disorder, manipulative has addictive behaviors like alcohol, gambling, drugs, sex, porn, overeating. Minimizes or denies abuse. Rationalizes violence and abuse. Criminal records. Promises he'll change. Asks for another chance. Uses guilt about religion, love, or family to keep partner from leaving. Stubborn, obstinate, rude, inflexible, unrelenting. Believes in rigid gender roles. Regards violent behavior as acceptable. Threatens to abuse children. And they also abuse children. Actually, I made a mistake. They're actually 47. Um, they may abuse pets. They may seem loving, charming, kind, and helpful to outsiders. They're very close-minded. Uh, continual threats of violence. Break or strike objects. Tight control over finances. Quick involvement. Uses force during sex. Extreme dependency on relationship, Sees violence as a tension-releaser. Feels he has God-given right to discipline if partner is not obedient. Grown up in abusive home. That's a big one. Very possessive towards her and children. Another big one. Threatens to kill self or partner. Denies abuse ever happened. Says he can't change without help and support from the partner. Another big flag. And the last one is that he claims the partner is the one who needs therapy. That's very typical, unfortunately. Um, So moving along. uh, So I know that was a pretty hard-hitting intro there. Um, But now we're gonna we're gonna we've we've discussed the symptoms of DV or domestic violence. Now it's it's time to gird up the loins of our minds. To take on our strength and ready ourselves for the cure, which can only be found in Zion. Now, being a naturopathic natural wellness consultant, I tell people all the time that naturopathic healing versus allopathic or traditional treatment relies on the proactive monitoring and self-help of the one suffering. In essence, whether it's through genetics, ignorance, We've unfortunately found ourselves in a dangerous situation, and it's up to us, with the help of Hashem, to begin making that transition out of Babylon to Zion, to that place of completeness, that place of wholeness and soundness, the place where we regain our sight, our heritage of peace. The highest pinnacle of Jerusalem is Mount Zion. Spiritually, this is the summit, the place that we as DV survivors strive to arrive to. We all know that in order to receive the remedy, the cure, there must be a proper diagnosis based on a set of symptoms. Now, as some of you ladies know, I also am a severe domestic violence survivor of 32 years. I use the word survivor because, just like any malignant disease of the body, Violence, whether it's an attack against the, the mind, the body, or the spirit, by its nature, has a tendency to attack and take over the intended victim. So in essence, unless there's an aggressive counteraction against the attacker, and in this instance I'm not talking about a man, I'm not talking about a human being, I'm speaking of the spirits and the attitudes that, that get a hold of you and that control, that control you you will be controlled and tied to that person, to that abuser, being his victim for the rest of your life. Some sisters who've been hurt by abuse wind up harboring spirits of bitterness and rejection and begin to employ weapons of the flesh via the uncontrolled tongue. Uh, Hateful attitudes and thoughts, sometimes a whore's forehead. I don't know if anyone has ever heard that term, but it's another term for stubbornness. Uh, rebellion, which attracts spirits of idolatry and witchcraft. sometimes even sexual perversions, fornication, adultery and mind, body, and spirit, lesbianism, bisexuality, flirting, to hide a low self-esteem and to numb the pain of the abuse, which really gives them the reason they do this is because it gives you a feeling of, of euphoria, of empowerment and of control. Or the opposite extreme is to be his enabler, to somehow even subconsciously believe that you provoked him to say or do the things that he says or does because of your uncontrolled tongue. Sisters, this is a lie from the adversary. The truth of the matter is that the spirits of violence are familiar spirits. They are generational spirits and families that pass to the third and fourth generation of those who don't have a heart after Hashem of those who hate him or whose hearts have not been circumcised by the living Torah by the Ruach in the uh, apostolic writings it says 1 Corinthians 3.17 it mentions that the first way to Zion is through a perfect sacrifice applied now, I'm just going to give reference to these, to these scriptures. I want you to look into them for yourself. It's 1 Corinthians 3.17. We need a sacrifice. The very mountain, Moriah, which the Akedah, which is the offering of Isaac, was performed, is the same place in which was the Holocaust of Yeshua the sacrifice of Yeshua. All of Israel was in the loins of Isaac, yet unborn, and it was a ram in the thicket that was offered in his place, in Isaac's place. Therefore, all of Israel was saved by that same substitutionary death. Just as the Kohanim laid their hands upon the animals, confessing the sins of Israel, as daughters of Zion, you must take hold And confess your sins to Hashem, trusting that your Kohen HaGadol, your High Priest, which is the arm of salvation, Yeshua HaMashiach, hears your cries, has entered into the Holy of Holies, and is making intercession for you. Your whole self is regarded by Hashem as a temple, a sacred place. Just as Hashem does not want a temple defiled by violence, neither does He want you to be harmed. His ruach dwells in you and makes you kadosh. You deserve to live without fear and without continued abuse. The next two scriptures are, can be found in, in um, John or Yochanan eight thirty six, and in Galatians four twenty six. Uh, briefly, Rithaddashus teaches us that whomsoever the sun sets free is free indeed. That's found in Yochanan eight thirty six. It's through Yeshua's obedience, through the Son's obedience, via the work of the Spirit, the Ruach, that we are born from above. The Jerusalem, as Galatians 4.26 mentions, which is the mother of us all, which is free, is that place and where we become citizens. And through your trust in Him, that you are identified with His death and resurrection, you are a woman in which was paid the 30 shekels to deliver your soul from any bondage, domestic violence, domestic abuse, sexual perversions, anything, anything from your past, your present and your future, you valued in his eyes, you are valued in his eyes, Yeshua died and rose at that place of freedom, which is Zion in Jerusalem, physically he died so that you will be like him and be delivered from your place of bondage. Yeshua took your place. He was your substitute, being that unfaithful bride in your stead. Proverbs 12, 25 is the next reference. Uh, it speaks about how uh, anxiety in the heart and what it does and how a, a word spoken basically relieves us from that anxiety. We need to have people in our lives who we respect and to whom we turn to for advice. Now, Torah has always advocated the idea of having someone to speak with. In Hasidut, uh, this is very much stressed with the idea that each and every person needs to find him or herself, what we call a mashpia, or basically a counselor, someone with whom we can speak and who uh, can give us guidance. And uh, this is what we offer in For Zion's Sake. Uh, we have uh counselors who can, who can give you that guidance and just to have a friend, someone that can speak with you and help bring you to that place of deliverance and healing. Uh, I, our sages teach in The Ethics of the Fathers. It says in Hebrew, or make for yourself a teacher. Uh, and get yourself a friend. Make for yourself a teacher get yourself a friend, meaning we need to have people in our lives who we respect, who we look up to, and turn to for advice. We can't go it alone, especially when we're dealing with domestic violence. And it looks like my time is beginning to run out. I'm going to pick this up. We're almost done. I'm going to pick this up in our next broadcast. Thank you, sisters, for joining in. Uh, I will see you all very, very shortly in my next broadcast. Thank you so much. Shalom.